Good Friday. It's April 10th. I'm Melody Novo, and this is episode 5 of Firmly Planted. In honor of Good Friday, my cousin has graciously agreed to play the role of one of the most vilified characters surrounding Christ's crucifixion, giving us a glimpse into what his final thoughts may have been like. Above all, I hope these musings remind us that we are, all of us, responsible for the torture Christ suffered on this day so many years ago. It was our sin whose wages were death. We like to cast ourselves in the role of John, the beloved disciple, or one of the women who were there at the end, not the jeering crowd. But had we been there, most of us would have been in that crowd. Some of us would have denied even knowing him. Some of us would have betrayed him outright. All of us would have fled from his side, just as all did who were there. We are the fickle, denying, betraying crowd. I suppose I always knew they would kill him. I knew it when I went to the authorities and bargained to turn him in. What a miserable week has brought this wretch to this moment. I can't tell where I went so wrong. I can't even understand who I am. I don't know myself anymore. Just three short years ago, I thought I had found peace as I followed our long-awaited Messiah. I found myself constantly amazed that I was privileged enough to be alive at the same time as him. But it wasn't long before I could see my devotion to the Master was not equal to the others who had chosen to follow him. The more I strove to keep up appearances, the lower my secret activities sunk until I was actually stealing from the common purse entrusted to my care. I can't even explain why I stayed. Others had left. Why couldn't I? I lived in constant fear of being discovered. The master so easily read the thoughts of the crowd, even as followers at times, yet... Somehow, I'd always escaped his scrutiny. At least, I believe that to be the case because of his silence. A few nights ago at dinner, I realized how truly mistaken I was. One of the women the master foolishly allows to follow him made an extravagant and wasteful display of her improper feelings. I stupidly objected. Though I thought I'd covered my true jealousy well by couching it in selfless, pious terms, but the moment he looked in my direction to reply, I saw he knew me for my worst. Looking into that direct gaze, I made the awful realization that he had always seen through the charade that had fooled all the others. For the first time, I saw myself in all my filthiness as I truly was. I saw that I had 
about this, the cleverest and most complete deception on myself. I should have been shamed. Full of remorse and repentance. I should have fallen at his feet as she had done in contrite tears. It should have been the moment of my salvation. Why couldn't it have been? Instead, it... It made me angry to be exposed. Instead, it... It was the moment I knew I would betray him. And last night, I did just that, with a kiss, no less. And just after he told me he was aware of my plans, my vileness turns my own stomach. I see it all before me now. As it was even then. As though I, I only watched myself from a distance, bound and gagged and unable to reason with myself. I see me fleeing dinner, visiting the priest secretly in the temple, securing a guard and my promised reward and creeping about the garden he so liked to visit. Now, as I consider it in my mind, so many questions arise. He knew. Why did he not hide? It was ridiculous of me to think that a guard of mere men could conquer this man who had twice made fierce storms obey him. Yet he did nothing to stop them. He must have heard and seen us coming through the garden, we with our torches lit and armor clanging, and they in darkness and silence. Yet he did not run. He did not secret himself through the crowd that I've seen him do before. He let his... Oh, he let this awful scene play out. Indeed, it was so like the Roman plays, where actions or words might catch the audience by surprise, but for the actors, it was all to be expected. It felt as though the roles and scripts had been planned out for years for exactly this moment. There were no surprise entrances or plot-changing ad-libs. All went exactly according to the playwright's irrevocable directions. Indeed, the peace and serenity of all the whole scene was anticlimactic and strongly contrasted with the unrest of my soul and my mind's wild imaginings. I don't know what I believed they would do once they had him, or how I imagined the worst could be escaped once I heard the chilling chant of the capricious people savagely demanding his death. Even so, Pilate's pronouncement fell upon me like the whole tower of Siloam. And the worst of the nightmare was that I was still alive, still fighting to breathe under the weight of all those stones. I wanted out. 
wanted my part in all of this to be washed away and forgotten. How could it be? Still, I took the price of his blood back to the priests. All of them reveling in their triumph and preparing themselves for the spectacle of this tortured end. Oddly, they wanted nothing to do with the money either. But they'll have no use for it in another hour. I left them no choice and flung the bag to the floor on my way out. I found a good piece of rope and a sturdy tree in an empty field. I'm only waiting for the crowd heading outside of town to all pass by. I don't want to, I don't want some misguided soul keeping mine from ending its torment. Just a few stragglers now along the road. The loop is ready and a, a boulder to stand on. And at last, the waiting's done. I hope it's not a child who finds me.